the football pod on OTB Sports. I think they'll have too much. I didn't hear a word you said in the last 45 seconds. What? Breaking news here on the football pod. The football pod is available every Tuesday exclusively on the OTB Sports app. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. You know, that wasn't an All-Ireland winning performance. Probably should have won the game based on the second-half performance. Is it a step too far to say it was the performance so far of the World Cup? Maybe not. OTBAN's performance rankings with Gillette. I'm, I'm, I'm scratching my head. That performance is we've just lacked that intensity. Ooh, all right, well, this is uh, our stereotypical, traditional, uh, at this point, uh, Gillette Labs performance rankings, where we have three different slots. One is green, one is red, and one is amber. Uh, who have you put in the red this week, Owen? Well, uh, what a surprise if we start with the Premier League. Arsenal and Tottenham have let themselves down in dramatic fashion. They've uh, taken the ball and they've run with it for a little while and then they've tripped up and they've fallen flat on their face and it feels like both of their seasons are in serious jeopardy to varying degrees. I think it's fair to say that Arsenal's season is in more jeopardy than Tottenham's season. Tottenham have been less bad for the last three weeks post-international break than Arsenal have been. But Tottenham still got beaten at the weekend. Tottenham uh, got beaten by a good Brighton side, let's not forget. But their defeat has led to questions about every element of their team, not least Harry Kane. Questioned by Gabby Bon Lahore, of all people, saying that the way he was playing was as if he was jet-lagged. And you know what? Maybe he was jet-lagged. Maybe he hung around those azaleas a couple of days too long and uh, and stayed in Georgia eating peaches or whatever you do over there and just, just was not up for it. Was not up for Brighton and Hove Albion last weekend. And he decided, you know what, we are Tottenham. We are Tottenham. We need to to, to finish the season in an underwhelming fashion. Or maybe Matt Doherty's injury is a thing that's blown him off course. Maybe our irony has actually become a self-fulfilling prophecy. And Matt Doherty actually is very, very, very important to how Antonio Conte wants to play. And his absence blew him off course a little bit. Or maybe they're just Tottenham and they will let you down at various points. I should reiterate here that Arsenal have let themselves down in greater fashion than Tottenham have over the last couple of weeks. But the end result here might well be that Manchester United sniff around and end up finishing top four. The team we have absolutely ripped for months and months and months. The, the punchline of the Premier League this season, the, the team that consistently get kicked punched and spat on by everybody because they're so bad and a team that are broken and a club that is a a walking cracked badge is going to finish fourth because Arsenal are Arsenal and Tottenham are Tottenham and I don't even know what to say anymore about about Arsenal in in that duopoly of grimness but it is very 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 predictable even though a lot of us didn't predict it because we got carried away once again because we're sports fans and we are idiots. You make it sound like we've been treating Manchester United the way you guys used to treat each other during PE classes in the SEM, apparently. <laughs> wow, that's a, that's a, that is, now that is a tangent. Yeah, the PE class in the SEM. Not me, really. I mean, you would have heard that piece between David Clifford and Darren Moynihan last year, playing indoor soccer in, in their socks. That is lethal. That is, that, that is an ice rink. Um, well, actually, no, we, ju- we would just go out with our shoes on and kick each other's shins, which I guess is probably worse than uh, playing indoor soccer in your socks. But uh, either way, not for the faint-hearted. School shoes, no runners allowed? Oh, yeah. 
No, no, it was like, I mean, it, it depends what the day was. I, I don't know why so many people came so ill-prepared for PE, actually, in hindsight. It was a timetable slot every single week, and you could bring a gear bag. I don't know uh, why people... Like, those lads were carry minors. I mean, at least I had some excuse by not being very good at, at uh, football. But uh, those lads should should have had gear available. Um, I guess and, uh, and preparing for stuff is uncool when you're, like, 17-year-old. That, that is actually a very good point. And, uh, oh, look yeah, at him. You know. he got, he's prepared for this thing, which we have to do every week. <laughs> oh, what he a loser. Like, seriously. Yeah, exactly. Wow. I mean, this guy's got actual ambition in life. He yeah. packed okay. the school bag this morning. You can't have that. No, you're definitely not like that. Sorry. I mean, this is just a way of me uh, um, segueing into this because I haven't spoken to you since. That, that was, it, it did sound like those PE classes were like skin and teeth and hair and everything you just <laughs> described, Manchester United. Yeah, there were a little bit. There was definitely a few kind of like in-class rivalries that would get exacted on the the hardwood of uh, of that uh, of that basketball court, which became a, a, an inner soccer class. And and yeah, it, it seems that, that, that those guys also had it. It seems to have been a, a constant thing that was passed down from from year to year. Of course, some people were smart enough to just you know avoid it and play left back. Um, and that would have been the smart thing to do. And then other people just ended up having their shins broken. That was you. Or, uh, you were the left back, were you? No, no I, I wouldn't say so. I, I think our class was it was particularly un, um, untalented. You were the nice so guys. Actually, so you all kind uh, of looked out for each other. No, oh God, no, not nice guys at all. Just un, just lacking in talent, sporting-wise, completely. Therefore, my crapness was less crap relative to my teammates slash classmates. Okay, okay. So I, 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 was, I was actually okay. Okay. Um, I've been giving you grief for your team of Werner Take and you weren't here to bask in their glory of eventually it coming uh, through but in fairness to you uh, for every bad team of Werner Take you've been all over this Arsenal story like completely <laughs> reluctant at any point to accept that perhaps they were coming good finally under Mikel Arteta you were like no it's not going to happen no stop this I refuse to I refuse to be hopeful even though we've got one of the best collections of young players in world football at the moment no what's going to happen here is at some point, they will crash, and uh, they have been crashing fast and subsequently slowly ever since. It was like I, I didn't see any of the game because there were other bigger, more important games. It seemed it seemed like you could ignore the slate of, of kickoffs on Saturday in the Premier League quite happily with all of the rest of the, the sport that was going on in the world, but you couldn't. Turned out because no. uh, it was unbelievably, unnecessarily dramatic, particularly on the part of your beloved Arsenal. What the hell's going on? Ah, uh, like it's it's amazing. It it just goes. It's a fantastic case study of how important depth is. And in in a way, like I don't want to make excuses for it, but you can kind of see why they would have entered this season with a pretty tight squad. They'd missed out on both of the crap European competitions last season, which was like you know party time. Can focus on Premier League only this season, and you don't need to worry about the Conference League. But when you enter into those terms, you kind of got to realize that you're not going to be able to play our squad players. And I guess Arteta allowed the squad to thin out a little bit, didn't make the required signings. But he also should have seen that there was a proper top four battle coming after Christmas. He, he would have seen that there were games postponed before Christmas. He would have seen that fixtures were going to start piling up to an extent after Christmas. And the, the thing I would really be unhappy about if, if I was a hardcore Arsenal fan was the fact that uh, January was a bit of a wasteland transfers wise that that's the moment he should have said this thing is in grasp 
do what Tottenham did. Tottenham saw that something was 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 possibly up for grabs, or maybe they were just backed into a corner by a new manager who actually had balls to say, "Listen, we need we need signings here in this January transfer window," and they went out and they got them. And even after that, Conte was like, "This wasn't enough. We didn't spend enough. We, our squad possibly isn't even strong enough." Arsenal did nothing in that January transfer window when they should have known Arteta should have been the guy who knew that if Kieran Tierney gets injured that guy who plays left back in in replacement for him Tavares who we got a good look at earlier this season isn't good enough because Arteta thinks that a couple of games ago he played Jack at left back I know Tavares came back in at left back at the weekend and did all right but uh, he would have looked at the midfield he would have seen that if Parity and Jack would go down or if one of those guys go down or if one of them lose four, more, more importantly, potentially, then there's not going to be enough backup. It, it was as if, you know what, we've got uh, four good attackers and we've got one good attacker on the bench. That is all that matters when it comes to depth. But actually, there's a hell of a lot more to it when it comes to that. Players come in and out of form. And unfortunately, one of those players who's gone out of form massively was, was Lacazette as well. And they don't have a number nine. You can't score goals. You're screwed. And they just haven't scored enough goals this season. A quick look at the table will tell you that. 45 goals this season. United have scored 52. Spurs have, sc- Spurs have scored 56. Who's going to finish fourth? Tottenham. Okay. Hard. Still back Tottenham. I just think like Manchester United are playing Liverpool tonight. They play Arsenal on Saturday. Not that Arsenal are uh, an overly tough fixture anymore. Um, Tottenham do have to play Liverpool as well, of course. But like I, I think that they just have to, even in the aftermath of being beaten at the weekend, I think that was a blip given the, the form that we've seen from Kane and Son recently in particular. Uh, they've been amazing. They're, they're the, the, the best combo attacking-wise, uh, if you compare them to Arsenal or, or Manchester United. And I would say there's a bit of a distance actually between them, despite the fact that Ronaldo um, statistically actually doesn't look as bad as some people are saying this this season. Yeah, the uh, couple of hat-tricks towards the end of the season will certainly bail out your stats and um, maybe make people reconsider piling on you the way they had been for a while. Let's move on because uh, the core hurlers in the red. Is this fairly obvious? Was this a, a difficult decision for you to make? Not really. Like I think it was just a question of our cork in the red and our limerick in the green, and it's both of those things are true. Like it's it's interesting. There's, this is not the most important part from Sunday, but it is intriguing looking at the league scoreline compared to the early championship scoreline. And it is early championship conditions weren't proper summer just yet, although they looked decent in Cork. Like it was two nineteen to one thirteen in the league in favour of Cork, and then it's an eleven point defeat in the championship so even this idea of laying down markers in the league just clearly didn't exist because it seems we're back to square one and square one being the aftermath of last year's All-Ireland final where Cork's manhood has been questioned that the manner of their defence the level of work we're at from their forwards the short passing around the defence has come under serious scrutiny they do have a week off to get it right but it hasn't stopped some of the, the bashing from within the county, which is deserved to, to, to a great extent, you'd have to say. Like just w- one of the articles that, that I saw this morning was Tony Considine writing in, in yesterday's Echo. And he was wondering if they'd bring something different to this championship. And he says, you know what, being in Cork early on Sunday, most of them were showing no confidence whatsoever in this Cork team or its management. He says defending their goal is very poor, no real cutthroat defending, playing as individuals, no savaging the man with the ball coming through, uh, proper defending, doing the basics. All absent. He says Kieran Kixon needs to be more ruthless. He's a sound man, but he has to get a bit more ruthless. Uh, and on it goes. You can read it online. And when you've got people like Constantine throwing uh, the boot in this early in the championship, you know that this season's either going to be one of those, we took, we proved you all wrong, and they come back in flying fashion, or it's going to be a bit of a nightmare. It, it, the latter, you'd have to say, is more likely. I'm not saying the other eventuality isn't going to happen, just by dint of the fact that they're in Munster. And yeah. Waterford also look good. Okay, well, the other thing is that... Um 
I, so I can't remember now. Somebody in the papers today is making the point that if they're going to win the All Ireland, it, it might have been Column Keys, that if they're going to win the All Ireland or compete for it, they're going to have to come up against Limerick potentially two more times already in the championship if they make it through to a, a Munster final, which obviously looks unlikely after you've lost your first game. But it's not beyond the bounds of possibility. Uh, and what are they going to do that's different from what they did in last year's All-Ireland Final and what they did at the weekend? It's just very difficult to see anything being recast at this point. We'll get into this a bit more with Will and we'll talk a bit more about some of your comments coming through. Very quickly, some of the early comments. Uh, Liverpool versus Manchester United will tell us where United are really at, says Stephen. And Yassine says Spurs will finish fourth. Manchester United barely scraped a win versus the bottom of the league. And they have Liverpool, Arsenal and Chelsea in their next three games. Their season is over in the next week. I mean... Uh, do Chelsea care as much anymore about those league games? I don't know. They obviously have the potential to finish the season disrupting the quadruple drive from Liverpool's perspective. And I have a feeling that they're probably going to be... Maybe they'll be playing for uh, positions and starting positions and that and that will keep motivation high. Uh, what about the Haaland news overnight? Asks MJ Maloney. Imagine how many goals he gets at City under Pep. Dubai money is being well spent again, Ger. And then it's a cry laughing emoji, cry laughing emoji, times two, just in case you didn't get it. So the Mail were the ones who were uh, reporting an exclusive this morning that terms have been agreed between Haaland and Manchester City and that Manchester City will now uh, trigger the release clause of whatever it is, 67 million. And he's going to be paid half a million a week, so it's 26 million basic salary. The fact that terms have been agreed doesn't mean it's a done deal because other people can then also agree those terms. It just means that uh, it looks more likely than not that Haaland will move in the summer. Um, and it certainly means that City are right there, ready to go with it. Are they the only team in the world who will match those terms? I don't know. What, like, And will this significantly alter things if Haaland joins? Like, How many more goals can the team score than they're scoring at the moment? Mm. And also as well, how does it impact how Manchester City actually play? Like, I think maybe back in August, September, the excitement around Haaland would have been a 10 out of 10. Whereas now, not that people wouldn't be excited about Haaland at all. It, it just, there, there is that slight caveat about how Manchester United or Manchester City have been playing recently, that it's been effective without having that out and out number nine. If they want to win the Premier League, if they want to win the Champions League, and then all of a sudden they've got an out and out nine coming into the team. It does impact. It makes things more interesting for them, but I'm not sure it has the massive leap forward potential about it that maybe some might think. Of course, he would be arguably the best player in the team. But I, I do think that the net gain from having him in there wouldn't be overly substantial. It would just make them stronger favourites for the Premier League next well, season. Well, yeah, they'll, they'll win every game against mediocre mid-table opposition yeah. by an extra half a goal over the course of the season on average. So let's move on. We'll, we'll talk about that more with Mark Lawrence in about 10 minutes' time. Uh, what is in your amber? Well, Kyrie Irving is in the amber, and to be honest with you, if I had it my way, he would well actually pick these. Uh, he would be in the green, but uh, you know, if we can leave a, a <laughs> if we can leave aside, you know, a whole pile of things that 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 he's said, like he he's got to be as a player, just as a player, one of the most watchable entities in world sport, especially when it gets to playoff time. The NBA playoffs started last week. Uh, Kyrie playoff Kyrie, for example, gave us moments like the, the 2016 comeback for Cavs against Golden State, and of course LeBron gets the headlines around that for the block laid on in that game seven. But it's about that deep three pointer from Kyrie Irving in that game, that that clutch three pointer, and he's done that so many uh, times in his career that made that series so magical, that game seven so magical. So if you're looking for an NBA bandwagon to hop on, this series between 
Uh, the Boston Celtics and the Brooklyn Nets is the one to hop on. It has been absolutely electric so far. Game one was on Sunday night, and it felt like game seven of an Eastern Finals. Remember, this is just round one. Crowd in Boston Garden was absolutely raucous. Like most of their beer-filled rage was was targeted at one person, and that was Irving because he left Boston in pretty acrimonious circumstances in 2019. And I'm not sure if you've been to Boston Garden before, Jared, but it's even if it's somebody who's really, really nice, they get absolutely destroyed if they're their best player or their most recognizable player. Like I was there in 2018 when uh, Yanis and Milwaukee were there, and Yanis is one of the most likable world superstars, and he got absolutely destroyed by the, the, the Boston crowd. They just hate anybody that is good, that is against their team in that uh, venue. Like there's a bit of a, a grim element to that as well. Like Irving had mentioned in the past that there's a subtle racism that exists for players in Boston. Obviously, anything that you watch on the Lakers, uh, Celtic stuff from the, the, the past would definitely touch on that theme. Baseball players have mentioned that they feel that exists at Fenway as well. Uh, as an aside on that, there was a video doing the rounds yesterday from Fenway Park, where there was an F Kyrie chant doing the rounds at a baseball game. So the whole city of Boston right now are united in their hatred of Kyrie Irving. And this goes back to the playoffs last year. He had a bottle thrown at him at the Garden after stomping on the Celtics logo in, in, in the, the middle of the course. Uh, Brooklyn ended up winning that series 4-1 last year. There was a bit of a gulf between them. But this season, things are different. The seeds are exactly flipped. There is two versus seven, but Boston are the two seed this year, and they managed to get uh, the win in game one with a buzzer beater from uh, from Jason Tatum. The, the main thing around this, though, is, is not so much the buzzer beater, even though that was absolutely extraordinary. The main thing was Kyrie versus the fans. So he's getting booed all the time. At one of the moments, and you can see all this in social media, he's standing on the sideline and he puts his hands behind his head and flips a double bird at the crowd and then proceeds to make fake crying motions uh, to, to, to the crowd as well. There's another moment where he sings the tree, shows the middle finger to the crowd directly after sinking it. After the game, then he's walking to the locker room and, and some guy backstage, I'm not sure was he working in the garden or what, is, is filming Kyrie and someone shouts, Kyrie, you suck. And Kyrie's like, suck my dick. Uh, and then he, <laughs> uh, so he's just having none of this. He goes into the post-game press conference and he's like, there's only so much you can take a compet- as a competitor. We're the ones to be expected to be humble uh, and take a humble approach. F that, he said. It's the playoffs. This is what it is. So if somebody's going to call me out in my name, I'm going to look at them straight in the eye and say if they're really about it. Most of the time, they're not. Embrace it. It's the dark side. Embrace it, he said. And I'm totally with him. He played amazing on, on Sunday night. He scored 39 points while on Ramadan. Like the game uh, tipped off at 3 o'clock Eastern time on Sunday. So he's been brilliant while on Ramadan, by the way. That's one of the weird Kyrie Irving statistics. But he was a little bit statuesque as Tatum burst past him to make that layup. And it was a layup at the buzzer to win the night for, for, for Boston in game one. This is going to be an unbelievable series, everyone. Just watch this. Game two is on Wednesday night, uh, obviously in Boston as well. And this is just such a great beef. Is this a, they're all best of seven now? Did they fix that? Or is it still best of five for the for early part? Yeah, all best of seven from okay. round one these days, okay. which isn't necessarily a good thing, but it's a great one for this, for this series. Okay. Uh, what's in green? Green. Okay. Two-legged rugby. Um, I think this has been a success, hasn't it? Like, and even if you can point towards some of the series where it wasn't a success. I actually don't care. I actually think that even when it comes to the Champions League, we just totally forget the ties that are over after game one. I I think that we just remember some of these unbelievably absorbing ties that go the distance. And that's the adjective I would use to describe them is absorbing because you just get brought deeper and deeper into the storyline of these 
160 minutes. Like Exeter and Munster definitely had it. Toulouse against Ulster had it to an even higher degree. Obviously, the Harlequins situation was 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 on a level above that again and it just feels like the stakes are so much higher after more rugby is played it's like our brains get tricked into believing that this is more important because the thing has been happening for a longer period of time it's like if there's 10 minutes of additional time played at the end of a football match if you score a 109th minute winner uh, or a 99th minute winner as opposed to an 89th minute winner it all just feels that just more dramatic it's not true but it just feels like that's the case and that really felt like the way it was for for these two-legged affairs it's interesting it'll be interesting to see what they do with this now because I, i'm not sure where you said the other day that maybe the semi-finals would be the time to do this obviously if you do it in the quarterfinals you have a, a greater chance for or in the last 16, I should say, you have a greater chance for these mad events to take place because you just have more games. Uh, And and maybe keeping this the way it is next season would be the way to go because I did not see this thing working out at all before it happened. Yeah, I think it was to do with the fact that the competition was so horribly shortened and it's a bit of a mishmash at the moment, post-COVID, exactly how the tournament is going to work. And then the tournament, I think, will expand again when some of the South African teams come into it. So uh, it's up for grabs as a tournament. And certainly at some point, I think as a final, it would be a good idea to have home and away in a final. That might be a, a great thing to do. I know that they might want to make a big deal about having a host city and turning it into a, a carnival of European rugby. But actually, if you have the opportunity to have two amazing games with the best two teams in Europe at the end of the season, like who doesn't want that? As you say, the, the tension ratchets up significantly as the games go on so um, my favourite part of the whole weekend and I, I couldn't see uh, the uh, tweet that Stephen Jones had sent up because he's blocked me a couple of years ago but um, uh, one of the Montpellier uh, backroom team uh, quote tweeting Stephen Jones saying oh I guess we were actually pretty interested in uh, winning this game <laughs> Jones had been trolling him uh, complaining about how Montpellier were throwing their hat at it by pulling out their second team which uh, turned out was good enough to beat Harlequins over two legs. Yeah. What, what, did, what did Jones block you for? Oh, I can't remember. Actually, you know, disagreeing with him, I think, or um, maybe laughing at some of the nonsense that he came out with. <laughs> That's a disgrace if you disagreed with somebody, though. You, you deserve to be blocked for that. It might have been something I'd said about the Welsh team. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, what else is in green? We're going to finish up at Liverpool here because they were sensational for at least, you know, half of football on Saturday. But I think that maybe there was a sense of the game being up with regards to the Manchester City fight back in the second half a little bit. Certainly from the way Liverpool would have looked at it, they were just so, so good in that first half. And like I think that we've, we've spoken a lot about how Jurgen Klopp kind of picks his team over this closing period. And, and I wonder if he's actually edging towards his best team at this point certainly when you look at that midfield like I saw this tweet Jack Cosby from This Is Anfield said that the Fabinho Thiago Keita midfield has only started twice Benfica away and City on Saturday uh, two devastating performances and two not chaotic performances but it, it definitely feels that there is an element of that about that midfield that it's attack 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 and certainly when they're on the ball they can do some some brilliant stuff obviously Fabinho holds a fort outstandingly well but you still love him you still love to watch him when he's on the ball as well and Thiago and Kate obviously when, when they're on the ball just absolutely exceptional and I wonder is that how he's going to go over the next little while you'd love to see that midfield for example start against Manchester United tonight and see what would happen because they put up a 5-0 already this season They've got to be thinking to themselves how do we make this 6-7 yeah, OK, we're going to talk about this with Mark Lawrence in, in just a moment, so I don't want to get too much into it, but uh, do you think the quadruple is realistic? 
Yes, absolutely. They're in a final and they're in a semi-final and they're uh, a point behind uh, the league leaders. So uh, I don't think it's going to happen, but it absolutely is realistic. And I, I don't think it's going to happen because I think Liverpool's run in is harder than Manchester City's and I think Manchester City will win the rest of their games. Yeah. So I, I think I think Manchester City will win the, the Premier League. I do think Liverpool will beat Chelsea in the, the FA Cup final and I think Liverpool will certainly be in the Champions League final. And... Liverpool versus Manchester City who are you picking in that after Saturday's evidence and I do think Saturday does move the needle in this a little bit I don't think it does I think Liverpool beat them I don't no? think it, no you're not, you're well, because, they, because they've got the best goalkeeper in the world on the bench he's not, not going to be on the bench for the Champions League final and yeah, it has an fair. impact you know it's literally fair. the difference Ed- Ed- Ederson is a huge part there's no, there's no well, we, we, saw, we saw exactly the difference is uh, Edison good enough to like calmly get the ball away as it trickles over the line his replacement not good enough to do that and uh, bundled into the net and you're like well you know I mean that's what you get. That's what you get for being yeah, the Billy Big Bollocks. Uh, well, and hopefully, I mean, I wonder, is that the, the door ajar for them to recall their goalkeeper from loan and, and Gavin Bazzuno all of a sudden is playing FA Cup next season? Yeah, I think it's still from one one season uh, in the Championship playing week in, week out um, to get to the point where he's just as good as Edison. Because uh, like, uh, that, that is an outcome that is on the table for us at the moment. It is 7.59 this morning. A reminder, OTBAM brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. Every week we're giving away a Gillette Labs shaving kit to be with a chance of winning. Let us know who you think should make the performance rankings. The best place to enter is the Off The Ball Instagram page. The comments box is on our story. You can give us red. You can give us uh, amber. You can give us green. Whatever you want. And we'll read out the rest of your entries across the rest of the show today. And we'll uh, be in touch with the winner after the show this morning. But that is this week's Gillette Labs Performance Rankings. OTBAN's Performance Rankings with Gillette. OTBAM. With Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. 